Good evening. Welcome to the Snake River Lib Podcast. It's the 21st of March. And here we go. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the voice is a little bit iffy today. Um, recovering from something that's, uh, I'm not sure what, but uh, I'm feeling a little bit better. But there may be some uh, coughs and other things going on during the course of the podcast. We will try to minimize that as much as possible. Thank you so much for listening. I wanted to begin by laying the groundwork for what no doubt somebody would hear this or read the tagline for the podcast today and say that I was a Russian or Putin stooge. Um, Certainly no friend of democracy, etc. You have to ask yourself this question. Why are the drums of war being beaten so hard by both parties in the United States? Of course, referring to the war in Ukraine, where you have, of course, it seems a universal feeling of getting arms to the Ukrainians. But you have some on the right who have argued for, well, and the left for no-fly zones. And you've got one particular warmonger, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who has called for the assassination of Putin. That's not a good look for a sitting member of the United States Senate to be calling for the assassination of a world leader. Now, having said that, one thing that Lindsey Graham is not doing is publicly denouncing Putin as a war criminal while he is working through the Russians to get resurrect some sort of a stupid, ridiculous deal with the Iranians, who just lobbed a missile at us um, in the past couple of weeks. Now, you say, well, wh- what do you mean? It wasn't at us. It was at a consulate in Iraq. A U.S. consulate, no matter where it is, is considered U.S. soil and sovereign. And Iran, the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism, although we may want to rethink that, is playing hardball with somebody that can't even play wiffle ball. Iran will not meet with the United States directly in these talks to restart some bogus agreement. So they're dealing with Russia, and Russia is getting a really, really sweet deal out of this. Now, remember, this is Russia, the war criminal. But let me tell you what I think. It's not completely my idea, although I have been arguing for some time now that supplying even weapons such as 
ammunition, guns, anti-tank weapons could be construed as an act of aggression against Russia should uh, Putin want to act on that. It's funny how people who are completely against the no-fly zone, which I am too, of course, you know, there's a big no difference between a no-fly zone over uh, the Kurds and the Shias in Iraq where we have air dominance and we have a close basis to support it and over Ukraine where we would actually have to fight an active modern air force to maintain that superiority. But I would say to you that providing those weapons to anti-tank, etc., is no different. Now, let me throw this at you. Why don't we take it a step further? Is there anybody, have you heard anybody on television, ever express any doubt that should Putin commit the resources necessary to defeat Zelensky in Ukraine, that he couldn't do it? Of course he can. And because he has gone in, because of his image as being a strong man, is so important to him, he is going to do everything he can to win. Even if he bleeds Russia dry. Now, if I was Putin, first thing I would do to shut up the Europeans is cut off the oil and natural gas to Europe. Yes, Russia would financially take a hit on that. But they wouldn't be freezing. We're wondering how their economy is going to move with no petrol. So I'm a little surprised that Putin hasn't done that. But here's the thing. Ukraine does not have the military necessary to defeat Russia. And the West is not willing to provide sufficient hardware or, in the case of high-tech weapons such as aircraft or helicopters, whatever, um, skilled personnel to decisively win. So what's going to happen is that everybody loses. But let me ask a question. Could you actually say that the West is dragging out the suffering of the Ukrainian people by providing these weapons to fight a guerrilla warfare? By dangling the carrot out there that if you can just hang on, maybe enough images on TV will be so bad that the West will get involved more directly?
without all these additional weapons, would Ukraine, the government, be willing to seek a solution that would spare its people the suffering that they're going through? Now, if you believe honestly that Ukraine can win, then I guess you could say that no price is is too high to not pay. But most experts do not think that Ukraine has the capability to actually win this unless something happens with Putin. And if that's the case, then we have to ask if we have some culpability in the deaths of Ukrainians by egging them on to string this out. Now, Putin right now, he, he knows it for now, and hopefully he understands that that's all it is, that China's got his back. Make no mistake, a Russian military bled of equipment and skilled soldiers weakens Russia on their border with China. A border which China considers territory that's rightfully theirs. Manchuria. An area filled with natural resources so that China would not have to go through the motions of dealing with the Middle East, or Russia for that matter. And I am sure Putin is aware of that. If he's, if he's sane, he's aware of that. Which could be why his lack of committing sufficient force to Ukraine to squash it. We'll be right back. And here we are back at the live. I wanted to change gears a little bit because something happened this past week that, of course, to people who were in the know or who followed what was going on knew this to be true already. But the New York Times this past week, it finally admitted that the New York Post story, including the emails from Hunter Biden's laptop, are authentic. Meaning that's the real deal. Meaning that the New York Post story was legitimate 
that came out three weeks before the election that was squashed by social media that other than the New York Post and Fox was not covered. What do those emails contain? Well, one, they showed what a disgusting person the smartest man that Joe Biden knows is, meaning Hunter Biden. Yes, he said that. So what do you think that means? What do you think that means if if Ron to Ron Claim and Claim and, and to all these other idiots that are in his administration? Now the way they've been acting, you know, been wrong on so many things. Maybe Hunter Biden is the smartest man that Joe Biden knows. That would explain a lot. But I digress because we're talking about the laptop and the business dealings. Now, when quizzed about the laptop story, uh, circle back Saki, the press uh, chick for Biden, said, well, Hunter Biden's not an employee of the federal government, and you'd have to talk to the DOJ about that. And so I suppose that technically she is correct on that. But here's the thing. If those emails are authentic, then there's a paper trail of Joe Biden getting kickbacks from China, Ukraine, and Russia for facilitating deals on behalf of his son as the vice president. That's the question that needs to be asked. Is we don't care about Hunter. We want to we want to know the explanation from President Biden about how he has been outed in these emails as somebody receiving considerable amount of money for his family. For those of you who voted for Joe Biden because of Trump, I'd say thanks for nothing. They're trying to put all this inflation off on Putin, except for the fact that Putin really didn't start moving his troops around Ukraine. I mean, yes, they're always going to be around there. But he really didn't start this uh, circle strategy until President Biden back in November essentially went and said that he was going to pave the way for Ukraine to be part of NATO. That would be like Mexico making a deal with Russia to stage troops on the Rio Grande. What do you think of that? Probably not the best of things, right? Speaking of which, I did want to talk a little bit about the border. (laughs) 
the number of people coming across the border, uh, over 2 million last year, even more to date this year. could be considered, should be considered, for all practical purposes, an invasion. The borders run by the cartels. Now let's say, you know, the United States is sitting here, we've got Canada on one side, we've got Mexico on the other side, as far as actually physically coming across the border. fairly secure in that you know we could not have really it'd be extremely impractical for an enemy to surround us like what is happening in Ukraine but what if they didn't have to surround us you know most people would say well you say that you're a libertarian Mr. Snake River Lib. But yet you advocate for a secure border. I'd say absolutely I do. You know, the one thing the federal government's supposed to do, the one thing, is to secure the border. And they have failed miserably in that. The cartels have secured the Mexican border. They decide who comes across and where. They flood zones with with uh, news camera ready, uh, friendly, you know, women, children, unaccompanied minors, you know, seasonal workers that for some reason can't get that kind of a visa, so they have to come across illegally, you know, because the good people. And so they flood sectors with them which draws all the resources, the Border Patrol and other units, into that. And then elsewhere, they send across the, the drugs, the human trafficking, and other illegal immigrants. These illegal immigrants, by the way, are not just necessarily from the Northern Triangle, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. They're from all over the world. And we have no real way to track them, of course, because we don't know that they're coming in other than perhaps we, we see them, but we have no way to stop them. What better way for an enemy to infiltrate this nation than making a deal with the cartels and sending people across the border? No problem picking up guns in the United States. Even hardware that's illegal to most people. Fully automatic rifles, for example. Other weapons. So they don't need to be armed coming across, although probably some are.
just something for you to think about. Um, what else? What else? What else can we talk about? I mentioned the Iran deal. Looks like uh, Iran's going to be a winner from the Iran deal. Russia's going to be a winner from the Iran deal. And the United States, of course, because we have an idiot running the country, is going to be a big loser. You're hearing some warning bells sound, sounding. The fact that the New York Times story dropped regarding the Hunter's laptop. Because with the 2022 elections looming and a potential disaster for the Democrats in November, they're going to need somebody to take the fall. And it's quite possible that that somebody is going to be President Biden. And if you were to ask me, I would say probably also Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has made Dan Quayle, who was smart, but he did not come across that way, look like a freaking genius. Kamala Harris, whose only claim to fame is that she is a black female or mixed race female. It's the only reason she's vice president. This is a woman that could not or did not even survive in the primaries to the first caucuses voting. She was already out by the time they voted in Iowa and New Hampshire. Okay, they didn't vote in Iowa. They caucused. So if you look at the flowchart, both of those people are gone. That becomes Nancy Pelosi. who is, while I've never had much respect for her, you know, saying stupid stuff like, we have to pass it to know what's in it. How true is that? Um, omnibus bill that they passed here just a couple weeks ago. You know, 2,700 pages, not including the references. Members had about 12 hours to read it. They estimate conservatively it would have taken about 300 hours to read it. But even she seems to be slipping. I mean, she's 84. She's older than Biden. So who does that leave? leave? Well, Rush Limbaugh referred to him as Senator Depends. That's uh, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont is a Senate pro tem. 
And in the event the first three somehow removed from office, Senator Depends or Senator Leahy would be the one. He's most famous, of course, for leaking classified information and being thrown off the Senate Intelligence Committee back in the day. No reason to suspect he's any different now. So things are not great. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But right now, the shiny object of Ukraine is distracting from real problems here in the United States. Record inflation. Interest rates going up. Gas prices high. All artificial, of course, created by the Biden administration. Did I mention to you that Russia has spent tens of millions of dollars to um, green groups in the United States advancing the narrative of climate change? Talk about Russian collusion. Just like Al Jazeera used to, the propaganda against fracking was done by the Emirates were paying for those things. That's okay. We'll have more the next time. But I just wanted to check in throw out my my Putin stooge credentials there but I do want you to think about what I started talking about at the very beginning are we hurting the Ukrainians as a people by slow trickling weapons in to Ukraine and it doesn't matter whether they arrive overnight via FedEx or or they have to go by boat and it takes a while to get there But are we hurting them because we're giving them the will to fight a, a losing battle? And what will the strong man, Putin, do when he realizes that conventional forces are not going to work? And then what will we do? You know, the first phrase ever put on a coin in the United States of America was, mind your business. Maybe we should start doing that. It's the lib.